welcome to Hannibal's Horny Apache, a weekly dinner party where we watch and discuss an episode of Brian Fuller's Hannibal. I am your host, Sonia, your friendly neighborhood true crime nerd. Let's go around the table and introduce the rest of the party. Hi, I'm Celeste. I'm an artist and I'm new to Hannibal. Hi, I'm JJ, local filmmaker, local nerd, and the fanable of the three. And this week we watch Roti, which first aired June 6, 2013. Is that how you say it? Roti? Is that how you say it? Roti. Is that how you say it? Roti? I don't know. It's an Italian word of some kind. I don't know. The episode, this episode, we witness Gideon's revenge. Chilton loses some weight and Will gets worse by the minute. So, ladies, any thoughts that jump out of you that you want to get off your chest this episode? Anything gross? Anything gross? (laughs) You mean like the whole episode? (laughs) I, I'll, t- I'll talk about two things. The whole, like, uh, surgery part of, you know, Chilton in there. And he was saying how, like, it's better if the patient is awake and all this stuff. All I could think about was my gallstone surgery. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> like, I'm so glad I was asleep. Well, okay, I was going to about to ask, were you awake for that? No. <laughs> God, no. No, but I'm just saying, like, I remember that freaked me out because I, I watched on YouTube what what is a gallstone surgery and I watched it so like they don't actually open you up they just kind of kind of blow your tummy up like a balloon so they can work in there with tools and just little, oh. little tiny holes yeah to make the space more pronounced I guess is what they do because my sister had gallbladder surgery and uh, the woman I follow on on Instagram on uh, the coroner the pathology person mm-hmm. she always posts gallstone stuff mm. and yeah it's a really horrible thing to see oh, I never knew that before. <laughs> Yeah, so like, I like still, that's what I thought of it because I finally had like a surgery that, so I was kind of like, Ugh. and then the other thing was um, Will's seizure, and I was just kind of like, I've never seen someone have a seizure standing up, yeah, because uh, my late brother had epilepsy, so whenever he had seizures, which they're probably different than what Will's having, but a seizure is a seizure to me, so I always thought that was weird. I was like, can you actually still be standing up and have a seizure? Let me I was, look that up. I always thought he would fall down because whenever, yeah, like what happened to my late brother. He like uh, he had epileptic seizures, so he would kind of flail. Mm-hmm. So you'd usually have to guide him down to the floor, so he wouldn't hurt himself or break anything. So, um, so that's what I was always curious about when I first watched the episode. I was like, hmm, interesting. Uh, so anyway. what they're called is petite mall seizures. You've heard of grand mall seizures, which are like the traditional like shaky ones. Mm. Petite mall people don't you don't do not lose consciousness and they could keep standing. Probably it's just like sometimes. Petite mall seizures just look like you zoned out, so you would just be like, "Yeah." Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so petite mall is probably what uh, what uh, Will was experiencing this episode. Oh, okay. It's like a partial seizure, is what they call them. Oh, but, right. yeah, it's bizarre. Anyway, uh, this but, is oh, yeah. <laughs> so, what? What the, oh, sorry, we're pregnant, Celeste. <laughs> Do you have anything uh, really pressing this episode? Like, this, like, the, like the whole thing. Yeah, like the whole thing. Like, <laughs> what was the whole damn episode? <laughs> Just damn. Because I'm gonna get into my like terrible stories of woe in a second, <laughs> and then we'll. As usual, the gross stuff always, like, stands up to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially since he was alive, too, while they like, were doing it. There's so many gross things. Like, the, like, the guts, like, hanging from the trees and, like, the tongue sticking out the like, That the was neck. the grossest and, thing, yeah. And then the surgery when he's awake. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> Uh, but this is more related to last week's episode, uh, but the week I watched this episode, my sister was away, and I live with my sister right now, uh, her and her boyfriend usually, and so they were away for their anniversary, and it was really sweet. Uh, it wasn't bad until the sun went down, (laughs) so 
So right before I went to bed, I checked every door to make sure nothing had sneaked in, despite me not leaving the house the whole bloody evening. <laughs> and I also slept with my heavy flashlight under my pillow so I could knock out somebody, like Aragorn <laughs> did in Lord of the Rings when someone came to wake him up and he pulls his knife. Like, that would have been me. <laughs> Uh, but we also got some, like, Mads news, I think, too. Ooh, while oh, we're on that topic, <laughs> I knew a person who, like, hid a knife underneath her pillow because she was so afraid of someone, like, walking in on her while she's sleeping. Um, I find that so dangerous. I know, like, that. Like I used to sleep with, uh, with my with my uh, Lord of the Rings replica sword in my bed once. Like, but it was sheath so that I'd pull it, like, I wouldn't oh, cut myself okay. when it was, like, it was in the bed, so I, I'd be okay. That's <laughs> well, actually pretty common. I actually got, um, <clears throat> I got one of those, uh, Oh, what's that video game? Kingdom Hearts. Oh, I have one oh. of those key swords by my bed. I also have uh, a practice uh, samurai kendo oh. sword. I also have one of those by my bed, just on the off chance someone does come in, I can be just like, Ugh. not today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know. Surprise of that burglar. <laughs> but I was reading um, a lot of stuff on Tumblr this week about Matt. Uh, a lot of people were posting this. I saw my friend, my non. Hannibal friends on Twitter posting it too, where uh, Mads, Mads was doing an interview for some reason. I've only seen the cut version, which is where this comes from. But so he's asked, you were in the music video for Rihanna's song, Bitch Better Have My Money. What's mm -hmm. your favorite Rihanna song? So he answers, I wasn't really aware of who she was. I had to double check with my kids and they were screaming in my face, you fucking moron, don't you know who she is? If you don't do this, I'll kill you. <laughs> so I heard a few things. <laughs> I think she varies a lot. She has a broad palette of different styles. But I have a soft spot for Bitch Better Have My Money because, after all, I am the bitch. <laughs> so I was just trying to do the impression of him. But that was, like, the sweetest thing I read all day. I was like, aww. <laughs> did you see the other thing that came up recently where um, he did, supposedly he did an audition for Fantastic Four, so he almost did another um, Marvel movie. Marvel movie. Ooh. But then he said he walked out of the audition. He was, and he basically pulled a, it's not, or, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> And left. I'm just like, bravos today. Way to dodge a bullet. That surprises me, though, that he auditions for roles. Like, um, I don't know, like, usually. Well, that was before. Front past that, well, no. Yeah. Well, he was still pretty well known because he had been in um, Casino Royale. And, like, he he's not, yeah. like, where he is now. But he, um, like, I, I don't know. He seems like the type of guy that'd be like, oh, yeah, we need a scary guy for this movie. Let's get that weirdo. Like, <laughs> No, the right guy for that role. <laughs> well, obviously something was was off in the scene, so like you know, or whatever in the audition. So his instinct was to, you know, I'm just gonna go. Which so. is really cool because like they were probably offering him like if he got the part, like millions of dollars just to do it. Like I don't know how much he got paid for Rogue One or even for uh, Doctor Strange. But, like, to turn down the possibility of that type of money just because you didn't like the script? Ballsy. Well, he's always said, if you read a couple of his interviews, uh, Mass is very much uh, about about the craft. Mm -hmm. You know, a, a part's got to just radiate at him or, you know, whoever's pitching it to him. You, Has to be excited, yeah. Excited mm. and passionate. they got to go, yeah, it's going to be this, man. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. And if you do it, oh, my God, it's going to be la, 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 la. So I would imagine, yeah, like, he's like, okay. But I'm just, I, I bet you he didn't get that at all at the Fantastic Four. It was all, like, mm. probably probably just a little too, what's a nice word? Uh, Stale? By the book. By the book. Kind of yeah. bus too businessy, maybe. He just didn't feel the passion at all, which you can kind of see if anyone's even remotely seen Fantastic Four. 
I did like the original Fantastic Four, but <laughs> like the one with Chris Evans. That one I really liked. It was yeah, that's pretty good. I only watched it once because my friend made me watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Oh, but uh, I heard um, that uh, while well, we go according to Mads not picking par- only picking parts that people are passionate about, he originally wasn't going to do Hannibal because of like the the legend that surrounded the character and and Brian Fuller was the one who convinced him to do it mm. like because he's like I don't know if I really want to play a serial killer like that's my Mads impression but I, well, <laughs> I read that he said like uh, he didn't think he could do it any better than mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins as a version because you know that's probably the most famous Hannibal part up to that point and now he's done it so I personally think he's more famous than <laughs> but whatever um I think I heard that was the original thing. It's like, how can you do it better if someone's already done it pretty darn good? Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. but I'm so glad. But, you know, Brian Fuller pitched it to him saying, no, we're going to do it just a little bit differently. We're going to do it, la, 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 la. Well, and I think that's the big difference, too, because, like, technically, um, Hannibal is played by Anthony Hopkins. Is Hannibal at a later stage in his life? Mm -hmm. And this is pre-jail, pre-everybody knows he cooks people. Oh, exactly. I think that's how he pitched it. He's like, this is Hannibal before any of that stuff in the films happens. So So he's hiding. (laughs) <laughs> so it's like you're playing a different side of him, you know. So like, ooh, I like that. that. So that's pretty fun, yeah. Like, hold on, I'm just looking up some stuff about my friend. Um, so my friend uh, Davilins on Twitter, she uh, constantly retweets pictures of Mass. So she posted this picture of him looking off in the distance, all like uh, nicely. I'll show it around real quick. <laughs> it's like him, just like. Ah. Oh, that one, yeah. That's from a series of ads. That he did. But for the gap, it looks like. I'm not (laughs) proud that I know that. (laughs) Yeah, I think he's doing a clothing, either a magazine spread or a or a clothing ad I'm not sure well she posted why does he constantly look like he will kill you with his bare hands and I'm like it's weird to me because he does have that scary like you don't want to see him like if you saw him in like an alley you'd be terrified and I'm like he seems like the from what I've read about him he's like the most like chill guy in the world and he's just like this guy who used to be in ballet and stuff and I'm like man he is a pussycat like he just looks scary he's like one of those evil cats you know yeah, evil kitty cat. That's what people evil say cat. about my husband. People say about my husband. <laughs> I think it was my old boss who said, "Yeah, when I first met your husband, he looks really scary." And, th- and then he talked. <laughs> He's like, and I'm Aww. like, oh, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh, but back to the episode. Uh, I did love that Hannibal's dish this week was a curry. Mm. I totally forgot that he doesn't stick to the traditional French cuisine, like the what was it the the pretentious type of like mm. he's not a pretentious foodie. Like he won't just eat a certain type. Um, and he digs non-traditional stuff. Um, I didn't like curry until I went to Bangladesh and had to eat it every day. Now I just love it, though. Red curry is my favorite, and Hannibal's dish looks like a yellow one. Yellow curry. Mm. Really nice placement for it. Yeah, I've never sheep. tried curry. Curry is good. I've heard it's good. I've never tried it. <laughs> but you have to be in a mood for it, like, because uh, it's like, um, it reminds me of spaghetti sauce in a way. Mm. <laughs> I was just trying to think I'm how to. I'm a fan of spaghetti sauce. <laughs> I would say prepare prepare your colon for it, just on oh the off chance you're one of those people <laughs> where it just shoots right through, and, oh and you regret it, and He's you're like, crying no. in the bathroom. It's like it's like fire. <laughs> Why? It's like that scene in Bridesmaids. Yeah. Oh, it's, like, it's coming out of me like lava. It's like that's it. You're shitting in the street. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> my friend love that movie. I love that movie so much. Well, because uh, you very rarely get to see women be gross. 
Like, cause women in real mm. life are gross. Like, I am a gross person. Like, uh, it's like a, uh, like I pick my ears all the time, that sort of thing. You know, I could get grosser, <laughs> but, but it's like, uh, I think that people are being more open to the idea of like women being more than just like a little, like a dainty little thing. Yeah, it's like doing like fun stuff. Yeah, like I really love the way um, the lead character in Bridesmaids became a friend of the girl she hated like because that's a like a mm. realistic way of them becoming friends and like she kind of like overcame that because she knew that uh, the girl was dealing with her own insecurities and was, mm. wasn't as perfect as she tried to present so i thought that was sweet especially the scene where it's like oh you're an ugly crier that kind of <laughs> makes me happy <laughs> love that scene or how cute she looks when she's covering her ears when they're playing rap while they drive by <laughs> the cops she's like mm. oh it's so cute uh, but speaking of the dinner scene, Hannibal tells Chilton that when manipulating someone, it's best that the subject be unaware of any influence. I think this episode <laughs> is going to be my Hannibal doesn't love Will proof for the rest of the series. He must be fully aware that the risk he is putting Will into and how likely it is that he could either die from the encephalitis or have some sort of episode where he hurts himself or others. And Hannibal lets him. Bastard. That's, that's, that's the part that like freaks me out the most this episode is how Hannibal like I want to scream it from the rooftops as usual that like I'm like Hannibal doesn't love Will he put him through this damn it yeah <laughs> you, you, no no even I struggle like like when I rewatched it this time I didn't even take any notes because I was just I was too much into the show I did normally I pause and take notes mm-hmm. or whatever but this time I was just I was just in it the whole time <laughs> And I was like, oh, Hannibal, you dick. I go, but like, he's got a weird, like, like he, he's got quotes everywhere where he says he really likes what Will can potentially be. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he doesn't want to get caught because this game he's playing is just like, so like he figures if he messes with Will and kind of does what he does, maybe all the intention will be on Will and all this other stuff that's happening. So it's just at the same time, I'm like, he's doing the self-preservation thing. He still likes Will, but <laughs> just like, ah, uh, but yeah. Yeah, it's like one of those abusive relationships because Hannibal is totally willing to let Will suffer mm. if it means that he'll get something out of it. Yeah, just like when he was just about to have a seizure and he's just like, don't lie to me. My heart was <laughs> oh, like, we'll get to that part in a second. But uh, I just love that part. Anyway, <laughs> but um, this, also, this episode is also the return of the crew of the Baltimore State Hospital. Yay. Including Gideon and Dr. Chilton and his fabulous fur coat, co- fur collar coat, which I really adored. I was like, ooh, that's so fancy. It's like, why are they wearing that? I don't know, but it looks nice. I love any man that can pull off a fur coat. I don't care who you are. <laughs> like, that's just so, like, it's it's a weird sophistication. you got to carry yourself a certain way to carry, a, like, wear a fur coat. Even a chick, I find a certain woman's got to be already have presented herself to the world a certain way to pull off a coat like yeah because like fur coats always look weird like i have a funny story okay so <laughs> unrelated to this but my great-grandfather was um a, a hunting guide and sometimes the hunting guides would uh well uh, he was hired on by americans who would come up to fish or hunt and so sometimes they would pay in addition to their regular pay the hunters would give my great-grandfather 
um, gifts of some kind. And one summer it was a fur coat, a lady's fur coat that he could fit, and a bunch of booze. So he drank the booze and put on the fur coat and stumbled around town <laughs> in the fur coat. And this was in the days before uh, electricity in the town. So everybody thought he was either a bear or oh. the Sasquatch. <laughs> and so a lot of people were like, oh my God, like they were like waving from each, uh, at each other from like windows saying like, the Sasquatch is outside. <laughs> and he sounds drunk. <laughs> he's like, he's just yelling. He's like, <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> no man, but like fur coats to me, like I I wear fur. Uh, I have mucklucks with fur on them. Me too. Um, I wear I would totally wear gauntlets with fur on them. But it's a cultural thing for us. I think fur coats are traditionally really ugly though. Like the ones that like classy ladies. I just think these. it's like that one music video thrift shop <laughs> when I think of fur coats. <laughs> oh yeah, that one. Yeah, like the Macklemore yeah. type fur coats. Like yeah, they don't look good on anybody. <laughs> It's like yeah, you're like you're not a character from uh, Chronicles of Narnia. It looks yeah, terrible. It's mm. a very delicate balance to look classy and then looking pimping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is like a fine line. Yeah, <laughs> just need a cane and a strut. Well, that reminds me of uh, when Conan O'Brien did a skit where he was uh, dressed as a pimp. He had like a fur coat and a fur hat that matched his fur coat, and he goes to a limo that's covered in fur. <laughs> so I'm like, that's what I think of when people use fur. But it's gross to me. Um, <laughs> but uh, one thing I'm starting to notice, I don't know if it's, like, remind me if I'm wrong, people, but have we seen the serial killer of the week in the act of killing? Uh, we see Gord- uh, Garrett Jacob Hobbs slice Abigail's throat, but off the top of my head, I don't recall seeing a killing that wasn't a recreation done by Will. That's a good question. Hmm. Yeah. Um... Because I just thought of that while I was watching this episode. Because I was like, Will, like, you know, like, I think it's more to personal, uh, to personalize the killer, possibly. Might be an artistic story choice in that case. Well, it might be just, well, obviously, like, if you already show it, you know, then what's the point of uh, Will doing his his parlor trick? So I think that's the main reason they don't do that is, and plus, because they're the, you know, the monster of the week, you don't want to get too... Uh, enveloped in what they're about because they're not, they're like the C plot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, know, you know, B plot si- side story. <laughs> so I think there's a reason why they do it that way. Oh man, but the slitting of the throat with the handcuff would be a terrible way to go. I know, oh, it was probably the first time gosh. in a long time where I looked away from the screen. I was like, because it's a dull metal because it's not sharp. Yeah. Like, unless he broke it, like somehow. Um, Because it would be like trying to do it with a spoon. Like, it's like. That was like, fuck. Because I don't know, maybe he hit him hard enough to break the skin and just went from there. But, yeah, that was a big part to me where I was like, okay, that would be a bad way to go, other than being eaten by something. (laughs) It was all. No one dies nicely <laughs> show if there's such a thing as dying nicely i want to die in my sleep at like 90 or something i want to die laughing actually Knock on wood. i want to die um like covered in food <laughs> i was like no i want to be like that chicken hero who's when she's doing the big battle in her big red gown i'm like just when i'm about to die spin me <laughs> so we get some slow oh man and that's how i'll go <laughs> Oh, right. That is um, so beautiful. The, I thought you meant Hero, the the J- Dustin Hoffman movie, not the J- the Chinese one. No, no, the okay. Chinese movie. Okay, I was yeah. confused. I'm like, when did that happen to Dustin Hoffman with Hero movie? Oh, never mind. But, so, 
But uh, Will reenacting the killing was a lot more arousing for me than I would have thought. Because there's that scene where he's, like, preparing to jump out of the van door. I'm like, okay, man, he is, like, he's like a panther. <laughs> I wrote something in my notes, or is it? Oh, I just, I just said Will Wolverine because I just watched Logan a while ago and like oh, I, yeah. then I watched this episode and it totally like matched together because <laughs> he did like crowns. Yeah, he was just like waiting, like uh, crouching and then jumped out of, oh, out of the like van. this whole episode is just basically Will panting and grunting. You know, <laughs> it was very, very erotic. Yeah, it's like like he's and it's and it's awful because you know he's either like reenacting you know a murder scene or he's sick. <laughs> You know, that whole scene with him in bed and, the, you know, having the weird, like, when I was watching it again, I was like, there's two things happening to me here. <laughs> there's the one where I can relate to sleep paralysis, mm-hmm. or it's just like, you Ooh. know, you can't move and, like, your, your dream, they're like, half asleep and half awake. It's a weird, fucked up feeling. Anyway, so that I was relating to. And then there's the whole, like, oh, look at him writhing. He's all sweaty. And just, oh, my goodness. <laughs> you poor baby. Yeah, just like, you poor baby. Well, the, I can uh, save you. Well, when we go to later seasons, um, a lot of the fandom likes to isolate the noises. Like, uh, there's a scene in... Um, there's yes. a scene, well, I'm going to kind of spoil it, but there's a scene where a character in season three is being tortured by uh, the killer of that season. Uh, it happens in uh, in uh, the Red Dragon's house. I'll show it to you later. But I, I just want to spoil it for Celeste because, like, uh, the person I'm talking about uh, has a, a... Is that the thing with Chilton? Yes, I was trying not to say his name. So no, well, she, she doesn't have any contact. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I'm going to forget this, like, tomorrow. Okay, <laughs> so there's a scene where Chilton is uh, being tortured by the Red Dragon, and Chilton is, like, making... has just woken up from his, like, uh, his drug-induced state. He's, like, making mewing sounds, and, like, like, oh, am I... Did I burn? Really? And somebody isolated the audio, so it was just Raul Esparza making, like, Is that why you want the, the pairing? The yeah. rare pairing? It's because of that? <laughs> I am terrible about stuff like that because I'm like that I is, I'm a dark person now. It's <laughs> so interesting. Like I'm, I'm, I'm usually I don't mind rare pairings, but that one I just like sometimes well, I just can't wrap my head around some of these. Some things, of the but. things I can't either because um, I recently got into okay no one's allowed to make fun of me if you've seen the show, but I recently got into Mr. Robot fan fiction and I don't know if you've ever seen the show. I saw the first season. Okay, so I'm into Mr. Robot and Elliot. And uh, as JJ knows exactly why that's terrible. <laughs> Mr. Robot. Yeah. I'm Christian Slater. I'm curious now. Chris, grab my pen. Christian Slater and Ra- Rami Malik. Is that a pairing? That's a pairing. That's awful. I know. <laughs> I got into it because I, I like the psychological uh, grossness of it. What's the name? Uh, Mr. Robot. I t- no, I but like the who you pair them. Uh, Mr. Robot and Elliot. Elliot. Which is terrible. So this is probably one thing that really kind of gets me sometimes about the fandom. And, um, <clears throat> I, like, I just, I really don't know how to comment on it. Other don't than, judge me. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, at the same time, I can't because yeah. there, there's some, some fan fiction that I've read that's sometimes borderline non-con. Mm-hmm. And then there's been some that are completely not non-con. Um, it's it's really interesting, like how some people really just are really attracted to those kinds of um, scenarios. Like I understand, 
obviously there's a market for it or else no one would read it. Oh yeah, there's a huge market for it. Yeah. Like if Pornhub is anything yeah. to go like, by. Like, <laughs> that just reminds me too of another pairing that I always see on my dash on Tumblr <laughs> is uh, the one from Fantastical, Fantastic Beasts. Um, the, the sisters? No, the Bad Wizard and Credence. Oh, um, Grindelwald. Yeah, yeah. they they pair on, you know, uh, you know the character Colin Farrell plays. Yeah, oh yeah, it's beautiful. Before he, that before way. the end, the big spoiler is revealed at the end. Um, mm-hmm. They pair him and Credence together. Oh yeah. And I'm just, I'm kind of like, okay, um, I, I, I get where it's coming from. Like, yeah. people like, uh, like hot get, guys. Yeah, guys, guys yeah. get the, they've gift the scenes showing you the proof where these, this comes from. And I'm kind of like, you guys know, like, isn't Credence supposed to be like 17 or something? Yeah, those. He's, t- he's a kid, you know? Yeah. And the other guy's supposed to be like 40, 40 probably, something. Yeah. You know, so like. <laughs> she's a huge age like gap. I said, See, at the same time, very handsome men, you know? I'm sure the real actors are, you know, of age and, you know, whatever. Really beautiful, yeah. So I get it. <laughs> I really, really do, but at the same time, I'm. I, that's where I'm torn a lot of the time in fan in the fandom and fan fiction. It's like, if that's what you enjoy, that's fine. But at the same time, like I hope you're at least hyper aware of how bad it is. How, yeah, how possibly negative that is, and I really hope you don't really bring it into. Well, life. Uh, to to give Celeste the context, Mr. Robot is okay. I'm spoiling the whole season one, but you can figure it out pretty easily if you're <laughs> intelligent. Mr. Robot's Elliot's father. Um, But, okay, this is even more of a spoiler. Uh, Mr. Robot's also a personification of Elliot's um, psychosis, so he doesn't actually exist. So it's like, <laughs> so it's like oh, people try okay. to try to justify the pairing because it's like it's basically masturbation of Elliot, right? Like, but he's still seeing the personification his, of, of his, his father. father you know? Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's like. It's There's weird. Like two, it's a, two kind of weird. But at, the, yeah. but at the same time, like I said, I, I try not to be too judgy because if I go out saying that's weird, you know, that's like the the pot calling the kettle black, you know, it's like because well, it's, it's a bizarre thing because it's um it's like because uh I remember there was a big conflict in the past about uh there was this Harry Potter fan fiction site called the Forbidden Section. Because a lot, like, um, it was about, um, like, it was the R-rated NC-17 stuff. Mm. Which I never got into just because it's, like, it's a kid's book. And I was freaking out. But a lot of people would, would stress that they were, like, of age in the in the stories, usually. But, like, a lot of people in the fandom at the time were, like, do we really need this stuff? Yeah. So it's, mm. like, it's always that that fight or fight. Because, uh, like, like, there's always weird fan fiction. There's always going to be porn for things. Yeah. That kind of brings me back. Remember in fan fiction, like, the M-rated, like, fan fictions that were called Lemons? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought that, like, Lemons. I Lemons. thought that was only a U2 fan fiction thing. Tell us no. what it is. Go ahead. Lemons is just basically just sex. <laughs> it's, just, it's just M-rated fan fictions, but back then, like, they created a word. So, so you didn't lemon. have to put it on there and it would yeah. get pulled. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh really? And there's it's the thing just... called Lemons, too, which is just, like... Soft smut, maybe? It's like sweet romantic stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. The terms are different. Well, now they just flat out say smut in the tags or fluff in the the tags now. So Uh, I'm just kind of like... Yeah, lime is fluff. But again, like I said, I, like we're we're sitting here talking about about Hannibal, and then I'm a fanable who pairs Hannibal and Will together. And we just finished talking about how <laughs> like messed up relationships. Messed up relationships. <laughs> so again, like I said, I'm conflicted. Whereas well, I pair these two together when obviously the show canon, at least in the beginning, shows you 
it's not healthy. It's yet. not fucking healthy. <laughs> well, and, and it's bizarre to me because I know why I'm into that Mr. Robot Elliot. It's because Christian Slater and Rami Malek making out would be a very fantastic thing to watch. But I'm just like, oh my god, I gotta get off of that. <laughs> like, because um, I remember, because um, it's like, uh, what's the difference? Like, because I remember when I used to f- like cruise the cruise the tags for Gravity Falls, people would post um, incest porn of Mabel and Dipper, and I'm like, they're children. <laughs> so I was freaking out. Also brother and yeah, I was like, Ugh. like, and then I'm like, well, this is okay, Sonia. I'm like, well, <laughs> so you're just like weighing the options. It's just terrible stuff, like, cause it's um, any kid, um, any kid fandom. I usually don't get into the fan fiction. Like, I don't know. It sounds weird. Um, I no, do, I get you. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like spe- speculative fan fiction in, in children's uh, animation. Like, well, I don't think Steven Universe technically is a child fandom. Like, I don't know. But moving on before we yeah, get yeah, we're getting far away from the show. Yeah, okay. Pretty sure it's a children. Yeah, well, it's technically more of like a. I would consider it more of an anime, right? Like a no, anime? no. So it's American. Cartoon. It's American, yeah. I know, but it it's was, only anime it's, if it's made in Japan. Okay. Yeah. You, you don't get it's, it. Can be anime inspired, like okay. yeah, like Avatar is a little bit uh, anime inspired, but like. It's not anime. It's not anime. It's produced here in in on, in the West, oh, so it doesn't count. It's yeah. like no. <laughs> All right, but to get out of that, um, so Raul Esparza goes into my favorite look of the whole season that he keeps for the rest of the series. That like stubble and the hair thing. Good God, that's beautiful. <laughs> so I have a massive crush on him. So hearts <laughs> and eyes. Um, but was Will really sweating in that briefing room, or was it a psychological thing that he saw himself as? Because we cut back to him, and he's dry as a bone. Like, he's having that scene where he's, like, in the briefing room, and, Mm. uh, Jack is yelling at him, and he's sweating, 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 and then we cut back to him, and he's okay. Well, uh, I think that might be just a weird, uh, edit, too, um, and a weird, uh, might be a continuity thing. (laughs) Continuity error. Because when they do go close up, he actually is sweating. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, he's always sweaty. He's always a little, you know, a little... A little damp. He's always, yeah, a little wet. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think, I honestly think, yeah, I noticed that, too, uh, when they cut away, because he looks, he's supposed to look normal, semi-normal when Jack's looking at him. So I think, uh, I th- to me, that feels like just a weird continuity thing. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Um, so the quote of the episode, I fear not knowing who I am. Someone has come in and moved the furniture around, Willow is telling Hannibal in his session. Um, This sounds a lot like gaslighting, which is a form of manipulation that seeks to sow seeds of doubt in a targeted individual or members of a group, hoping to make targets question their own memory, perception, and sanity. This is often a tactic used in abusive relationships. So you get to a point where you don't even trust your own thoughts about things. So this is like really... It's also an interrogation tactic. Yeah. Like, uh, some people, like, will do it um, in a prank sense so that you'll move things a little bit so that people don't notice, but then they start to notice. Mm-hmm. It's just bizarre. I just love it. I remember when the, uh, my family had a house fire, um, they were, they pinpointed that the fire started in the basement, <clears throat> and they found my sister's candles because she was, we were temporarily set up in the basement for the summer because me and Tina were back home for the summer. Anyway, uh, she had, like, a couple candles set off to the side, and they were lit that day. But whenever, you know, me and Tina are really big on, on candle safety, you know, fire safety. <laughs> so I distinctly remember we blew them out before we left the room. And, you know, fire people later were like, yeah, we found candles in there. We think maybe it was an accident and you guys started it. 
And our very first statement, our mom was there too when we were talking to the fire people. Our very first statement was, no, the candles weren't lit. They were by here. And, you know, like we were able to describe everything pristine and clear. Then they kept questioning us. By the third or fourth interview, our stories had completely changed because of the questions they kept asking us. Mm-hmm. And like, why then, did you leave the candles there? Yeah, are yeah. you sure the candles were there? Are you sure they weren't on the other side where we found the fire that where it started over there? Because um, the, the firemen, when they're putting out the fire, they blew the candles onto the other side of the room with the water. Oh. So they were like, are you sure they were over there? Are you sure they weren't over here? So like, even, and I remember my mom got so mad. She went and yelled at the, the freaking fire people. Because how old She's, were you, like 18 or something? Uh, let's see. If I was in Winnipeg, I was like maybe 17 or 18. So Tina was a couple years younger than me. And uh, yeah, like, so my mom was like flat out angry. She says, I was there when, with their first interview and I was there with that last one. You made my girls change their story. You manipulated, the, you know, like oh, you interrogated them. You intimidated them, you know, to follow your, because you couldn't figure out where the fire started. She was what, <laughs> she, I wish I was there, but she was telling me this story afterwards. <laughs> and sure enough, they, <laughs> my mom was able to also intimidate the insurance people and they gave her like an extra 10,000 for the insurance. <laughs> where was JJ's mom when Will yeah. needed her? <laughs> no, right? I really wish my mom Not was there. respect for your mom. <laughs> We always call it my mom getting on her soapbox when anybody ever, like, fucks with my mom. (laughs) But, yeah, so that's why I say um, that same kind of thing is even in interrogation and law enforcement. They they mean to do good. They're thinking they're doing good by helping jog your memory. But half the time they're making you believe things. Believe things. Even, like, I think they were... They thought they probably honestly thought me and my sister were lying because we didn't want to get in trouble. Yeah, is probably what Profiling. they thought. Profiling. Yeah. yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, these native girls just don't want to get in trouble. Oh. Um, but then they ended up just making us not making us not tell the truth because we thought we were wrong. But it turns out. And then we found pictures later that proved, because we did. We made a a video for fun, because me and my sister are filmmakers. Even at that early age, there's a video the day before of us in the basement. And there's the candles where we said they were. <laughs> so I was like, I was so but, pissed off. Got evidence. Oh, but, okay. Does anyone else hate Alana this episode? Because she continues mm. to be flirty with Will. Yeah, I uh, wrote something fuck, down I, want, here. I was so mad in that scene. Yeah, because it's like, um... It's she, like, why do you keep doing that to Yeah, him? she has said that she will not date him, and so this teasing is driving me nuts. I know. Like, fuck the fuck in or fuck the fuck off. But you know what I mean? I know, she like, keeps giving him, like, mixed signals, mm-hmm. and you can't do that to him. He's already a poor baby. Yeah, yeah. it's like, leave him alone. It's like, Jesus, will go home. Like, that's how I feel this whole episode. Like, but at the same time, too, I was, like, sitting there going, like, oh, fuck you, Alana, why are you doing that? But at the same time, I was like, I've played that game before. Because, <laughs> you know, you like someone, but you know you can't pursue that right now. But at the same time, maybe you guys don't know what I'm talking about, but... Uh, <laughs> I um, think I have an idea. <laughs> where, so you keep kind of trailing them along a little bit in the in the hopes that... You kind of send a signal and like, we could be together someday, just not right now. So I hope you keep liking me and nobody else. In the meantime, you can't go anywhere else. <laughs> but you can't also be with me. So. Oh, do you think it probably comes from bitterness uh, on Alana's part that he could possibly be with somebody else? Like she doesn't want him with somebody else, I guess? Or I think she just can't make up her mind. Yeah, yeah I think that, yeah, it's m- probably more of that. I don't think he actually would go wander off with anybody else. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's just that she just can't decide whether to mm-hmm. come or go, and that's still very um, 
selfish. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty bad. Like it's pretty common in in some ladies, but you know, at the same time, because just... she has like power in her hands, like she knows Will, like he likes her, mm-hmm. and she has like the power, like she can keep him away, keep rejecting him, but she also has the power to like make Bring him draw him closer. Yeah, yeah. draw them together. Like it didn't take much to do it, right? She's like, I just like you don't have to do this and that to cozy with my dogs or with me for that. And, you know, she doesn't reject that sentiment, whereas I think if she was really adamant on, you know, let's be friends, she'd probably go, that's not appropriate or or something, right? But no, she just does her sway and her smile, and I'm like, fuck you. (laughs) Like, I really want to like Alana. Well, I really love seeing Will try to flirt, because it's like, it's not really any different from him normally, so it's always funny. He's like, are you flirting? I don't know. That's what I find interesting. Like, I guess he really does have that little bit of, um... Asperger's, because he's pretty blunt when he talks. You know, yeah. The only time he ever seems to talk metaphor is with Hannibal, and maybe but a little that, bit with Jack. But but that's probably because he's um, empathizing with Hannibal and like mm-hmm. trying to reflect his. Uh, that's a good point. His speaking mannerisms. Yeah, he picks it up. Yeah. And I was like, I'm gonna make that part nice. Sorry. They actually did uh, in the original script. I remember reading it when they started putting them out. Uh, in the original script, when Hannibal talks to Jack in his the first time uh, Will and Jack meet. Will and Jack. Uh, sorry, Will and Hannibal meet the first time in the office, and uh, Hannibal says to Jack, he can empathize with your point of view. There's actually a line that was in the original script that got cut out, where Hannibal says to Jack, have you ever noticed that he picks up on the way you talk, or the or the or certain rhythm of how you do things? That's how empathetic he is, is he'll pick up how you are, and almost parrot it back, is what the gist of that sort of like is. a mirror. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. And so... They actually do mention that. They did mention it in the show, but then it got cut out. So Well, that's a big part of Red Dragon, too. They, uh, Jack mentions it, too. Uh, no, I think the the narrator just mentions it, that ja- that Will tends to pick up the mannerisms of the people he's speaking with, mm-hmm. which makes me wonder, like, who is the real Will Graham in that case? Because it's like, um, when we do see him alone, you never see him introspectively doing things. It's always like, take care of the dogs. Do that weird fish stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing, making lures? Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but what else? Um, the show really has a negative opinion of psychiatry. <laughs> so, but, well, their main psychiatrist is a cannibal. The other is manipulating a dude to think he's a serial killer. Another is teasing a sick man. <laughs> so, yeah. what the hell? But yeah, like, it's, it's just funny to me that, like, all of the major psychiatrists on the show have some sort of problem with manipulating people. <laughs> so. yeah, the only one who seems any good at it is Hannibal. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he's actually helping Will sometimes, but not always. But it's like of, of the... I think Yeah, Hannibal is the best at his job because it goes Chilton, Alana, then Hannibal. And I'm like, that's a terrible list. That's a terrible class to be in. <laughs> but... I'll say, so we got get to the tongue on the corpse that is still moving. That grossed Ugh. me out. <laughs> so gross. I just freaked me out because I was like, um, it was still moving uh, independently of the body. I was like, yeah, I keep forgetting the tongue actually goes all the way to the right about <laughs> there in your throat, and then it's just yeah. Yeah, it's really gross to me. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, like he didn't actually cut anything. He just cut a hole and pulled it out of it. Yeah. Like, ooh. Just, Damn. Ooh, so gross. Damn. Uh, but it makes me wonder, this episode, uh, that scene made me wonder, um, since Gideon left the blood for uh, the, the American Blood Association, would they have taken it considering where no, it came it's from? No, it's Yeah. I'm just like... It's what? just supposed to be funny. I know. I was like, would he have taken it, though? Like, they are in di- there's always a dire need for blood. Donate some. 
They drained him till he died. Do you think that's a painful process? I think he'd pass out after a certain point. You do, yeah. Yeah. Like, you get tired, you'd be like, oh, I should But is go it painful? Mm, not really. I don't think so. Um, mm. You just kind of go to sleep. Yeah. You probably feel, you probably feel tingly, maybe. Um, probably, like, lightheaded. Yeah, yeah. Your, um, your fingers would get cold and stuff, because all your blood is going to the... Your body senses that you're bleeding, so it sends it all to your major organs. Yeah, mm-hmm. when, uh, when, uh, when you get a limb that falls asleep, that whole tingly thing oh, probably, yeah. probably goes on, so... Oh, man. But uh, was he passed out beforehand? I can't uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's like a fight <laughs> We weren't there. Yeah. We didn't see him in the act, as you mentioned earlier. <laughs> So Gideon and Freddie are my favorite interactions this episode. Um, I bet it's because I love oh. both of the actors. <laughs> we do see a killer dude in the act. It will get us to do the surgery. Technically, he doesn't die, so that's not a oh, killing. Okay, so. good point. <laughs> um, Hannibal is proof that no matter how classy you are, you always have a garbage interest. So because we see him reading about uh, the Freddie article that she just posts about uh, Gideon's latest kill. Mm. So I just love that he's actually like he probably has a Google update that reminds him of when the new article. Google. Goes. He's like, oh, they're talking about me. But I listen that um, you always have a garbage interest. You know what I mean? Like, like my garbage interest is true crime. Like, or you do a podcast about it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Nice going, JJ. But it's it's like you know, like uh, no matter how classy you are, you always are interested in something that's like, uh, like, but not beneath you, but. Everybody has a thing that's weird. Yeah. Everybody. Everybody. Or multiple things if you're me. <laughs> or me. <laughs> but I love how um, I am overwhelmed by how calm Freddie was that whole time. Me too. I love that. Yeah. like not She's that, so cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, she obviously was scared out of her mind. Yeah. Like, because he was like, okay, he might kill me next. Um, but I just love that she um, was able to keep him alive. And didn't abandon him. Because she's like, okay, mm. I keep him ventilated and, like, maybe someone will find me here and get us out of here. And so, That's true. I didn't, I didn't think of that. Because she's, she's usually, like, presented as cold. Mm-hmm. You know, she's very passionate about her work. And she doesn't care who gets hurt. Yeah. And this is, like, but the I guess first she time. does care that someone dies. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, it, this would be the kill that, that, that could be attributed to her, too. Because, like, if she stops the ventilator, then he dies. Even man. though his, like, guts are hanging. <laughs> it should like, be, like, a... I guess that would be manslaughter, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, she might as well just keep trying. Yeah, just trying to keep him alive. Yeah. But, uh, let's see. Um, what is that? I wrote this in my notes. Isn't it amazing how Will can feel so bad, but yet look so good? <laughs> 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 this episode seems to be impress- stressing the importance of self-care, though. So, it's like... Um, I'm starting to wonder if Will has a death wish somehow because he is like he obviously knows something's wrong he uh, i i don't know if it's denial or him just being terrified of um maybe being uh, schizophrenic i'm not sure it just seems that he he has a lot of avenues to get out he just doesn't and i'm wondering wondering if you guys could tell hmm. let me know why so i'm gonna have i guess he like he sees a lot of crazy people already and he doesn't want to be one of them mm-hmm. fear <laughs> Probably fear. Mm-hmm. I mean, he says it in the show. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess it, it's also weird, too. Like, if you think about it, if Will isn't doing what he's doing, what purpose does he have? At least, it's a weird thing where I think, even in the beginning of the show, like, he was teaching and all this stuff, but even then... 
He yes. looked pretty monotone and bored. <laughs> in that first episode. He doesn't really have a social life. Yeah, like he doesn't have anybody super important in his life. Uh, like I think in the book it says he's actually from uh, from New Orleans or Louisiana. Yeah. And so if he has family, that's probably where they are. So he's mm. kind of far away. And uh, do they? Oh, sorry, this is a little off track. Do they mention in the book how he lost his accent? Uh, I think it's just picking it up from being around people. Oh, okay. Because, like, you and I, well, all of us have lost our native reserve accents, probably. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> it's like, eh. Because <laughs> I don't know if uh, the, our American listeners will know. That's like, true, though. Yeah, when we go home, yeah, we start picking up. You, oh, you yeah, all talk yeah, like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're sick. Okay. <laughs> there is, like, a specific um, uh, native accent that we all, like, all natives in Winnipeg tend to have when we get around other natives. So, like, this is the only podcast or this is the only time publicly I'll laugh the way I will when I laugh around another native people where it's like <laughs> cackling it's like ah! <laughs> like it's it's bizarre to me because it's um I don't know I think that's why so many native people are into true crime because like uh, we all have a really dark sense of humor like I don't know it makes me giggle I think well, I guess so <laughs> I think somebody uh oh I remember a comedian was saying like um saying about uh, the black people's struggle, saying, like, you know, back in the day, they used to sing while they were doing labor. He goes, they were so, in, feeling so shitty and so bad, they had to sing to make themselves feel better. <laughs> He's like, white people don't do that. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm having a bad day at work. I guess I'll sing about it. <laughs> so I was like, I, I was like kind of equating that. I was like, yeah, I think that's probably why, like, a lot of Native people have that really dark, seem, seem to have that dark humor. Because it's just like, if we didn't laugh, we'd, fucking cry which is probably mm. which, which would explain probably a lot of the depression yeah, and other bad things true. going on in communities well that's something that um so i met i don't i think i probably mentioned it on the po- podcast before but i met this lovely woman who uh was a former prostitute uh she's a trans woman she's a poet met her recently and she was telling me the story uh like there was like six other people there at her poetry reading but we ended up getting on really well and she was talking to me about this time where some guys kicked the shit out of her and beat her over the head with a with a crowbar. Mm. And mm-hmm. she grabbed the crowbar and started beating them. And she's like, "Yeah, I got a few good hits on them." And like, it like, just kicked her asses. And I was like, "Yeah!" And we both started laughing really hard. <laughs> Meanwhile, everybody was like really uncomfortable with this story because <laughs> it's like I don't know. I think uh, it comes up later uh, in in next season where Bedelia tells uh, a character that the traumatized know that they can survive anything. Mm. And I think that's why uh, a lot of people who deal with depression, who deal with trauma, do have that dark sense of humor. Because it's like, if you, la- if you laugh at something, it's not, it's not as evil. Mm. Like, I think, the, well, uh, related to something I was reading earlier, um, Facebook has that uh, of the day thing, like on this day. So on this day in 2014, I was reading an article about Hannibal. Uh, it's feminist take on horror by Sadie Doyle, and she wrote that. Um, what was it? Where is the part? Um, jokes about the show's content by the fandom seem to be attempts to shake off the show's chill, which I find like is the same thing that we do, like where we poke fun at like s- silly things that uh, uh, serial killers do. Like mm-hmm. I think that's why flower crowns are such a big thing in in the fandom and making fun of um, how Will and Jack never seem to catch on to Hannibal's like obvious evil. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like a way of dealing with that. Um, I also like that she wrote that. The article stresses that the show takes on the serial killer cop procedural, one of the most irredeemably woman-hating genres on TV from a feminist perspective. Because violence is always aesthetized on Hannibal, but it is also almost never sexualized. 
And I think that's why I got into the show, too, because most true crime shows are always terrible towards women. And this show at least balances it out. It's always like a naked woman on a bedspread. You know, she got shot or she got sexually assaulted. Mm, or yeah, it's, just, it's always yeah. the worst stuff. Or in an alleyway. It's always something, it's almost always a sexual crime. But I can see why violence, focus on female violence is so commonplace. I put this in my notes, by the way. <laughs> uh, it's because of tropes like the trope men are the expendable gender. Mm. Because in situations of combat, for the longest time, they would not let women in the front lines. Because if uh, a male soldier saw a woman being hurt, he would put himself into so much danger to save her life. Like, uh, even if it was, like, a small thing, he would always try to save her. Mm. And so a lot of people were like, oh, that's why women shouldn't be in combat. It's like, no, because it's always harder for people to see women in pain. And I think it has to do with evolution because, like, uh, on TV Tropes, they mentioned that one male and ten women have a far more likelihood of uh, of continuing the species than one woman and ten men. So it's like women are more valuable in terms of evolution. And so it's like seeing... And I find that seeing a woman in pain is always a bit more... I don't know, maybe it's because I am a woman. But being seeing women in, in pain is terrible to me. Like, that's always yeah. the worst thing to me. Like, seeing... Like, uh, I, they made a really good point on um, TV shows where they mentioned uh, a scene from I Am Legend where uh, Will Smith's dog is dying because it's about to be infected by the vampire virus. And what makes it worse? Finding out that that dog is a girl. <laughs> so it's just like, okay, I'm sorry that got to me too. <laughs> but it's still something like... I don't like using sexualized violence in my own stuff, but I can see why it's such a popular thing. It's because it is hard to see women suffer. Like, mm. even if you are an asshole, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> well, yeah, I was talking to my husband about that. I said, how come there's no female jackass, you know? And that's what the first thing he said to me. He said, because it's not nearly as funny to see a woman in pain as it is to see a man in pain. <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's, uh, and then I said, well, that's true. I said, you almost always, always ask me, am I okay, even if I just stub my toe, you know? <laughs> Whereas if you hurt yourself, I just kind of go, eh. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like, yeah, that's really weird. It's just, mm. Well, because, and I don't know, I guess women, yeah, women are more valuable in that sense of, like, evolution. Because it's like, um, men, uh, it's why I hate emprey. Because, like, uh, the importance of women is eliminated through emprey. Because it's like, oh, men can have babies and make them now. Like, gross. <laughs> that grosses me out. I'm so fascinated by that whole genre. <laughs> Yeah, about the Alpha Omega Beta <laughs> Dynamics and Mpreg. It's just, it's quite fascinating. Well, I saw um, a fanfic with Chilton and Frederick, uh, well, Chilton and the Dragon, and I was like, oh, I should read this. I haven't read it before. Uh, Alpha, Omega, uh, Alpha Beta Omega. I was like, nope, back to me. It's like, I'm not watching that. But, yeah, I never stepped foot into the Mpreg. Yeah, that's the one thing like, I'm like. I see like, it, and I'm like, I'm very tempted to click it. I was like, no. No. I don't want to fall down that <laughs> rabbit hole. It's like Riverdale to me. Like, my sister's trying to get me into Riverdale, and it looks like fun, and it's getting a lot of uh, good reviews. But I know if I go down that road, like, I'll never, like, I'll be lost in the woods, basically. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel, too, because I grew up with the Archie comics. Oh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just kind of, yeah, I'm like, I don't know if I want to go down that road. Yeah, well, Keith Aldrich is playing Jughead's dad, and um, Archie has an affair with Mrs. Grundy. Yeah, that's what my husband told me. He said from the first episode, it's basically just Archie trying to screw everybody, so I don't know if you want to. So I was like, uh, okay. 
Like I see, I see it pop up on Tumblr every once in a while, and I'm thinking, well, okay, well, you're enjoying that show. I'm going to be over here enjoying Hannibal if you well, do your thing. They also have, like, um, the whole uh, Betty and Jughead thing, and I'm, actually, when I was a kid, I actually shipped them. <laughs> so I'm kind of happy about it. <laughs> but I haven't watched it yet. I should. I know my sister wants to watch it with me later, and I'm like, okay, I'll watch it. I actually did see a comic strip of that once where Jughead, uh, like, puts a hand, a hand on Betty's shoulder, and he says, he goes, you know, I'm a renowned woman hater, Betty. He goes, but if ever the day should come where I want to kiss a girl, it'll be you. Oh. Aww, Aww, see, so, can you see why I love them? Yeah. Well, you know, Betty, like, like that's the nice thing is too. Is like, well, they're all best friends. You know, yeah. Essentially, that group, mm-hmm. that group of, uh, you know, they're they're all best friends. So naturally, but yeah, it's just uh, it's stuff like that that makes me hesitant to want to watch the show. Fun, yeah. Fun fact: Jughead is asexual. Oh yeah, in the show, yeah, mm-hmm. he's asexual. Yeah, I read that that they made that a thing. Yeah, oh, like yeah, in, in actual comics, it's actually canon. So I'm happy about it. <laughs> um, so we got back to the episode where uh, we were talking about this earlier, where Will has the seizure. Mm. Uh, Will's breakdown is insane and made me cry the first time I saw it. Mm. Um, just because it was so unexpected. Well, not unexpected because it seemed to be going to that point. But um, I recall thinking that Hannibal was right and Gideon wasn't there. Because I was like, I remember that whole scene, and I'm like, oh my god, Gideon isn't there, and like, this has been the whole thing, like, that, that Will was wrong, Will is going crazy, ooh, and the shaking image of the dead and staring Garrett Jacob Hobbs was terrifying, and I actually had a nightmare about it the first time I saw it, oh. and I was like, just creepy, because like, anything with, um, uh, under, uh, under, what do they call it, um, where they make the, make it fast motion, under pulling, can't remember what it's called. It's a filmmaking term. Anyway, but oh, that, that where you get that shaky filter look. Yeah, yeah that, they did it a lot in the remake for House on Haunted Hill. Terrifying. Mm. I hate that. Like, oh, I, any, think I have seen that. Before. Oh, it's really good. Yeah, I saw that movie. <laughs> but anything where a human moves unnaturally, that freaks me out. And so this whole, um, and I actually thought this scene was in a later episode, so I was really uh, taken aback and surprised. I was like, crap, I thought this was at the end of the series. <laughs> no. But yeah, I love that whole scene where, like, freaking, it's like, he's had a mild seizure. You don't, you don't seem, seem too to concerned care. about that. I said it was mild. <laughs> Just like, you dick. I was so pissed with him, though, when he was like, um... Nobody's there. Yeah, nobody. Yeah, I know. And he's like, don't lie to me. And it's like, oh, it's just my heart. That broke my heart more than anything when he's like, don't lie to me. But then, yeah, like, frig. You know, at the same time, like I said, this is where I'm torn. And I was like, for all I know, it could be just because it's masked. You know, and now I have a more familiarity with... um, Mass Mickelson and the characters he does and more about what he what he is. So during the whole time I was watching that, see, the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, ugh, oh, you bastard. <laughs> but now when I was watching it the second time, I was like, damn, you do that so good, sir. <laughs> it's okay, Will. I'll, I'll get to you in a minute. <laughs> now, Mass, keep doing, I mean, Hannibal, keep doing that thing you do. <laughs> it's quite awful. Uh, but okay, even though that that whole bit where he's like, I know it's gonna be hard, but I need you to smile for me. There's that was the fucking scariest smile I've ever, ever seen. seen in my well, life. Well, there's a funny. Uh, I'll send it to <laughs> Celeste later. But there's a scene. There's a some somebody did something on Tumblr where they're doing a recap of Hannibal episodes, and they posted this bit where they're like, so Hannibal tells Will, uh, smile like you're dead inside. And they show that picture. <laughs> He's a good boy. <laughs> but um, asking somebody to smile is a common way to determine if somebody had a stroke. Mm. Uh, because if you if you had a stroke and you try to smile, only one side will go up. Mm. If you try to lift your hands over your head when you've had a stroke, your hands will start to drift, like on the, on the affected side. So mm. you'll keep your hands above your head, one hand will start to fall. Hmm. Interesting. So if uh, what else? 
Like, Hannibal looked kind of cute, though, when he smiled. When it's like, Hannibal. Hannibal. Yeah. <laughs> when Will smiled. Uh, it's always weird for me to see ha- um, Mass Mickelson smile. I don't know, like, in in Hannibal clothing, he always freaks me out. But when I see yeah. him smiling on, like, norm- on normal stuff, I'm just like, aw, he's so cute in that dorky way. But that's the thing, too. <laughs> Ever since starting with this podcast with you, and you, and you like, uh, keep saying how, like, how freaked out you are when you see Hannibal do things, I'm finally starting to see what you're talking about, oh. especially in this episode. I was like, oh, who the hell is he talking to? He's doing a scene. He's talking to somebody. Is he talking to Jack? I think he's talking to Jack. Anyway, the camera's looking at Mass playing Hannibal, and you can see the, the, the cogs turning in his eyes. You can see him going, now what is the correct response in this with this human interaction I'm having? I should keep talking about Will and how much I care about him while still m- manipulating everything, but I got to look like I care. All right. So Jack, this is what we'll do, you know. And it's just like, and I was, I was like, holy shit! <laughs> like that's what he's like, to see. Yeah, it's like you're a fucking robot, man. <laughs> well, it's creepy to me because it's yeah, like I mentioned it before, but it is like Hannibal is not a person. Mm. Like Hannibal is a person. That same analogy you said. It's like if an alien came down, yeah, and only had books to go by. by that's that's what, he, what he would be. I'm finally starting to see it. <laughs> well, it's just, creepy because it's like. When he gets to it later, uh, in season three, when he's finally caught and he doesn't have to play that game anymore, he mm. gets more malicious and cruel. Yeah. Like, he, um, like they, they did a scene from Hannibal, the, the movie and the book, where Hannibal's trying to manipulate information out of this woman over the phone, and he's, like, he's just being all sweet because he knows, like, she's young and, like, she... Yeah. I'll dance to Joe wedding. wedding. Yeah, and he's just being sweet about it. And I'm, like, okay, that's, like, that's where he tops, um, he tops Anthony Hopkins because when Anthony Hopkins... It, it was just more of a blank oh. thing. Anyway, but uh, Anthony Hopkins in the scene from Hannibal, when he does it, it's like, I'll dance at your wedding. And when Hannibal does it, it's sweet and like, I'll dance at your wedding. Like, the queen. Yeah, it's like, weird. Like, it's probably like, normally I would put Anthony Hopkins' performance uh, uh, more over the top compared to Han- uh, compared to Mads's, Ma- uh, Mass's um, uh, <laughs> performance. But yeah, in that particular scene anyway. I am more scared of Mass's performance than of Anthony Hopkins. It's really weird. Well, because he's faking. Yeah. I think it's because because we've seen what Hannibal could do when he's trying to be normal, quote unquote, mm-hmm. air quote normal. Whereas with the Anthony Hopkins ones, we only got like a very glimmer of it in the films of what he was like before he got incarcerated. Whereas yeah, like here we're seeing Hannibal before incarceration. We see what he's done. We see how how much of a predator he is and it's just yeah when he's when we get there when we get there celeste <laughs> if you're still with us it gets, oh, I, sure hope it so. gets worse. <laughs> I think like another thing why he's so scary is that he can be very charming and like very normal mm-hmm. mm. and you know like later on you know he's a serial killer <laughs> well a lot of people like ask that about um why some serial killers are attractive and it's because like you're more you uh in psychology we learned that uh you're more you assume when people are beautiful they're good yeah and so that's why a lot of uh that's why bernardo was able to convince a lot of girls to go with him that's why ted bundy was able to convince it because like this this handsome man is not going to do anything to me like uh i won't go off with that hillbilly over there that's like missing teeth and stuff and obviously a creep like i won't go off with that guy but it's Mm -hmm. like um well, this is a good segue into true crimes thing, uh, real quick. So, this week's uh, crime is focusing on Jack the Ripper. And a, a lot of the theories about Jack the Ripper uh, include that he was an upper class 
uh, gentleman uh, perusing the the un, uh, the red light district, and that's why a lot of women were able to go with him. Like, were convinced to go with him. He was either rich or he was just a person who looked like uh, a good person, I guess. But uh, Jack the Ripper is a name given to an unidentified serial killer that was active in the late 1800s. The name originated in a letter that the murderer supposedly sent, but was largely thought to be a hoax created by a local reporter to sell papers. Uh, he was also known as Leather Apron, which I thought was a cooler name. <laughs> like, that's scary. Because a lot of butchers in the time wore leather aprons, and, like, uh, uh, it evokes the image of butchery and blood and stuff. So it was pretty... That's what he was known as before Jack the Ripper became popular. Uh, the majority of the Ripper attacks took place in the lower-class areas of East End London and involved prostitutes. The Ripper killings were one of the first serial killings covered extensively by the local media. Uh, during the years shortly before the killings, London was hit with an influx of immigrants fleeing famine in Ireland, persecution in Russia, and limited economic opportunities in mainland Europe. This caused the parish of Whitechapel in London to become increasingly overcrowded. I remember hearing that there was probably 100,000 people living within two square kilometers. Like, a lot of people living in a very, very small pace, one on top of the other. Like, people would actually sell out the corner of their rooms to people. And so you had, like, seven or eight families living in one room. So, like, it was... Oh, stinky wow. and gross and yeah imagine like every bad thing you can think about like <laughs> victorian london that was all there <laughs> so <laughs> but anti-semitism crime racism alcoholism violence and robbery were prevalent due to the 62 brothels and 1200 women in whitechapel active as prostitutes the district had a sordid reputation uh obviously this is going to be a shortened shortened version of the jack Ripper killings because yeah. we could go on for days about them yeah it was actually i think five or six episodes the last podcast did on every single thing of the jack the ripper killings and there's like an hour for each of them oh, it was a very good episode anyway <laughs> but <laughs> due to the widespread crime and attacks on women in Whitechapel, there is uncertainty to how many victims were killed by the same person there were 11 total killings between 1888 and 1889, uh, 1891 rather, attributed to a file called the Whitechapel Murders. Only five are believed to be the work of Jack the Ripper. These murders share key characteristics such as deep throat slashes, abdominal, uh, abdominal and genital area mutilations, removal of internal organs, and progressive facial mutilations. These murders were perpetuated at night on or close to a weekend, near the end of the month, and each murder became progressively severe in butchery. The first victim's throat was slashed twice, and her lower abdomen was partly ripped open, while the last victim had her throat slashed to the spine, and her abdomen was emptied of all organs, though only the heart had been taken. Uh, Whitechapel would have been black as a cave after sundown, so the killer would have been operating in minimal light. It was suspected that the killer may have been a doctor due to the skill it would have required to do his work in the dark and the fact that a removal of a kidney is not something a layman would be able to do as the kidney is encased in a membrane with the bo within the body and that you would have to slice aside to get into it. Um, upper class society was a Twitter with the news that Jack the Ripper may be a gentleman. So fuck those guys. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, I remember reading that they were so excited that this guy was probably like a, an earl or an upper class doctor. And I think what it was, and it, they used it in the, mo in the movie. Mm -hmm. um, the hell is that? Freaking. <laughs> <laughs> From hell? 
Thank you yes. for hell. Uh, they found uh, grape stems, yeah. which were, were a very inexpensive fruit, which is where that theory came from. That yeah, the last victim had maybe, them, yeah. yeah. Uh, and they found some grapes in the bodies of some of the women, so yeah. Mm. The Jack the Ripper case was also one of the first times or the only surviving account of a criminal profile done, done on a killer. The profile suspected that Jack may have been a man of solitary habits, subject to periodical attacks of homicidal and erotic mania, with his mutilations indicating hypersexuality. It was also suspected that Jack may have been suffering from syphilis that he had contracted from a prostitute. Syphilis involves sores on the face if it advances far enough, and it is suspected that is why the killer mutilated the faces of the prostitutes. That's why they suspected uh, the prince, because the prince had syphilis. Yep. The story of Jack the Ripper is very long, and there's still no concrete theory on who the killer was, and probably won't ever be, since it's been nearly 200 years since the last murder. Mm. However, I would recommend you read Alan Moore's From Hell, which is a way better than the movie, mm. uh, if you want a really trippy read, but just be warned that it has a lot of naked old men in it and does not shy away from showing the murders in detail. <laughs> also, last podcast had a five-part pa- series on Jack the Ripper, which was an extensive look into the environment of Whitechapel at the time, the crazy theories surrounding the case, and the numerous suspects. Because From Hell uh, focused on the theory that one of the royal family was the killer, which was a debunked theory. Uh, yeah. So, but it's uh, um, the truth should never get in the way of a really good story. <laughs> so, and that was a really good story to read about. <laughs> Another good book I would recommend is uh, the complete uh, Jack the Ripper. Uh, guidebook uh, written by Donald uh, Rumbelow, who is probably considered one of the most uh, foremost experts about uh, Jack the Ripper. Ripperologist, and, ever. Yeah, yeah, Ripperologist. <laughs> um, I actually met him when I was in London. Oh, Did you? I went on a tour on the off chance that because they were saying he was doing less and less of the tours because he's getting on, and I thought, okay, well, if I don't see him, that's that's fine. Let's go do the tour. Sure enough, he was there and he did our tour and he autographed my book. It was Yay. awesome. Oh, that's awesome. I was geeking out so much. I'm like, I bet. <laughs> and I've seen him a few times in a few uh, Ripper, uh, Jack the Ripper documentaries. Yeah. yeah. So it was pretty cool. So anyway, that's a pretty good book if you guys want to check it out. Yeah, it's a really fascinating case to read about just because um, it was the very first time that the media went crazy with it because um, a lot of crackpots were sending letters to the local newspapers mm. claiming to be Jack the Ripper. Um, one of my favorite ones was the From Hell letter, which was done in red ink, I believe, um, and is probably the only real quote fingers one. I think uh, the Jack the Ripper one was a fake, uh, the one where he called himself Jack the Ripper. From Hell might have been the real one, I can't recall. Um, and there's a third one, Dear Boss. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, the From Hell letter was considered real because it was sent to the Whitechapel Vigilance Committee um, rather than the, the papers. Mm. So that's why they think it might have been real. Hmm. Plus, he ha- it came with a kidney, so they assumed oh, okay. yeah. they assumed he was well. the killer. <laughs> but it was still an interesting story, and it's um it's something I really like because it's uh it's it's it deals a lot with Hannibal in that case, like because like uh, a lot of the uh, like Hannibal's like this unknown ghost person, right? And so mm. is Jack the Ripper because he's reached this level of uh, the Chesapeake Ripper. Yeah, he's reached this status of um absolute like not godhood but demonicness i guess the white whale that yeah, you have to catch that you have to catch them yeah. never catch <laughs> don't ever catch but, <laughs> all right so we are at an hour and six minutes oh my god okay but um 
One thing I wanted to end the show with, um, Hannibal is one of those people who thinks mental illness makes you artistic. I'm like, <laughs> curse that type of man. <laughs> That's the impression I got from him in this episode. I'm yeah, like, that whole discussion with Bedelia. It's like, I want to contain his madness like, like an oil spill. spill. I sent the picture to you guys. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell, Hannibal? <laughs> Stop it. That's another scene where he just looks completely robotic. And yet, at the same time, you can still see a glimmer of, just a glimmer what he actually, what what he's actually like with Bedelia, which I find fascinating, which is probably why stuff happens later. Yeah, and that's why I'm wondering why Bedelia. Um, I think he mirrors Bedelia's um, be, regalness. That might be in it. That case, because like when like cause she seems like a cold woman, like she is such a cold person, and well, I don't considering what happened. Yeah, consider between them. Yeah, considering what happened, because uh, Bedelia made a mention of it in uh, the first episode that she had been attacked by a patient, mm. which comes up later. Like yeah. for a while. It'll come up later yeah. again. But uh, so Bedelia, <laughs> um, obviously retired for a good reason. Um, mm. But it's um, I always find her cold though. I guess it's another hit that psychiatry because these are not warm people. These are not people who. Um, well, I think it's like any medical, anything medically uh, kind of profession. You need to shut down a part of yourself so you mm-hmm. don't get too personal. But because of the kind of relationship they have, it's kind of like a weird think tit for tat which is the whole reason she's even still doing what she's doing yeah hanging out but okay so we come to the end of the show what was your favorite and least favorite parts of this episode and why so that's mm, probably the scene with freddie mm-hmm. like the whole scene of like you know her being like called to the office and like seeing gideon there and he like asked her to like write an article about him because <laughs> he wants to draw out hannibal and she's like super cool about it like the whole time and I, I know, gotta respect that. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. just like, okay. and then, and then, yeah, and then I already mentioned earlier in the episode of how like she like tried, um, you know, saving that dude. Like she could have just left, but no, she stayed. And um, I don't know what is my least favorite part. Uh, let's see here. I think <laughs> I left though um, during like the the scene where uh, Gideon is looking for Alana and like Hannibal like told him of where she is. Mm. And then he like made like a move to like oh I'm gonna go get Alana and then like he leaves the room and like Will like like leaves and then he like comes walking back and he's like yeah I wasn't like really gonna save her <laughs> I was gonna say yeah. I finally noticed that Hannibal has a BlackBerry <laughs> like that's oh, he's so, so old school he's old <laughs> only the old ones have BlackBerry does he have a belt clip though that'll prove it that that's, he's the old one. that's a good point <laughs> okay Trisha what is your favorite and least favorite aspect of this episode. Mm, so much. Um, I, I, I'd say the thing I, I dislike the most, again, is Alana. I'm having... Sorry, I got a, ch- uh, a, a chopstick we in my mouth. We were eating sushi beforehand. Yeah, we were eating sushi. Um, <laughs> is again, like, I, I'm... Ch- when I first watched the show, I, uh, what, a lot of what Alana did didn't bother me. You know, just, like, whatever. She was just this other character. and um, But in this episode, she bugged me even more. I was like, it's official. I don't like you. <laughs> Even with what comes later in the show that I know what will come, I still don't like her. And it's just like, it's a shame because it feels weird and backwards. I feel like I should be supporting all the female characters in the show. Like, even like Freddie Lowndes, like, being so brave, like, despite putting herself (laughs) at risk and all this stuff, she still managed to have that glimmer of humanity and keeping Chilton alive. And 
it's just again I don't I'm not really liking any of the female characters except for Beverly know. Beverly's awesome oh yeah Beverly of course I'm on, on the fence of like liking Alana too like I mm-hmm. want to like her but it's like yeah there's no reason to hate her outright but she's yeah. like being a very He's manipulated asshole stop yeah. playing with Will's heart okay yeah. <laughs> I think it's uh, I think we hate her because we love Will yeah. yeah that's why and that is what I and love and I don't want to be that kind of fan yeah. <laughs> but yeah that's what I love about the, this episode is Will it's just poor Will going crazy <laughs> with his encephalitis just being all sweaty and headaches and glasses and just <laughs> he looks like an old man does <laughs> and I just I feel so bad and I just and I'm actually reading a, a fan fiction series right now and uh, I, I can picture him in the in the, when I'm reading like I feel like I stepped out of a weird world when I came to the podcast today I'm like where am I <laughs> came back what out into the real world <laughs> driving oh that's right i was in this world for a little while so that's probably why i was even more empathetic towards will than normal because usually i'm all like i'm i'm team hannibal most of the time but today i was Ooh. just like team will because he's <laughs> poor puppy is just <laughs> it's like hannibal you dick Ooh. leave will alone <laughs> So you had like a little moment then. I did. I like I switched teams there, and I'm just all about. And I I was really starting to get mad at Hannibal. So I guess that's another thing that I disliked <laughs> in this episode was, was probably one of the first times where I was like Hannibal, I don't like you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna step away for a minute, and I'll come back later. <laughs> well, one of my favorite things about the show is that you can still hate a character and love them as a person. Like, mm. well, not as a person. Like, <laughs> I hate Freddie Lowndes in terms of how. Character? Yeah. Well, I hate her in terms of how she will do horrible things to get what she wants. Like, mm. she's no better than Hannibal in that context. But she also is a really awesome character in terms of, like, mm. I think we mentioned it before that this is the type of character traits you see in male characters. And it's so rare to see a woman be so hardcore in what she wants mm. and not be ashamed yeah. of things. Yeah, like, she's not ashamed of being a bitch, and I love that. Like, yeah. I, I like that she um, she's the type of person I wish I could be into filmmaking. Like, because me and JJ were discussing this off-camera about how, like, a lot of people will, will be sexist in this business. And it's, 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 you never know when to bring it up. You never know when to say, like, okay, guys, that's not cool. Because you yeah. don't want to be seen as the wuss. Who can't handle it? Too sensitive. Yeah, you know? which is terrible because I'm like, I like you talk to your daughter with that mouth asshole like, sort of thing. That's what you should say to people. Yeah, it's just kind of like the, the film industry is one of the last industries to catch up with, uh, you know, diversity, you know, equality, mm. and all that. So like, even in 2017, we're still dealing with that on on a daily basis within the industry, unfortunately. So I think that's probably why we feel it. That kind of sucks. Way. Yeah, it's like my my mentor, who is a woman, actually told uh, her favorite thing to do is to tell me all the horrible things she's ever been through and why I shouldn't be here. And I'm still like, I'm still gonna be here, Shereen. <laughs> like, because you gave me the power. Unless <laughs> I was saying that to someone, uh, someone s- s- rattled off some statistics at me, and I said, I don't really believe statistics. And they're like, Why not? I said. Well, statistically, I shouldn't be sitting here. I said I was a preemie two uh, two and a half months early. I statistically I shouldn't be here. It's like I'm a female and native. Um, I should probably be dead statistically. <laughs> you know, even even if making it to adulthood, I should probably be dead. And I said, and also working in film, doing what I do. You know, it's like statistically. I shouldn't be here doing what I'm doing, so I don't believe in statistics. Yeah, because <laughs> um, causation does not. Uh, wait, was it um, correlation does not equal causation? Mm. Just because there is like a, a correlation between us and deaths <laughs> doesn't yeah. mean it's not gonna. It doesn't mean it's gonna happen. Like, not to say that there probably wasn't a few cliches. 
Knock on wood. Keep on pursuing. Anyway. But my least favorite thing about the episode was Hannibal. Because, like, it's obvious. Like, I, I said it earlier in the episode that Hannibal, this is the episode I'm going to use as proof that Hannibal does not love Will in any good context, though. <laughs> Yeah, he was being a little bitch to this, to this episode. Yeah, <laughs> even like, I. Yeah, he's just not doing a very good job. Are we job. going to mention how Will actually killed the dude in this episode? Yes. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh. Who did he kill? Uh, he killed Gideon. Uh, <laughs> you guys. Well, we're just putting our hands well, purpose. as we've learned in this show, <laughs> a gunshot wound does not equate death. Um, okay. <laughs> Unless you see a body, always assume. Okay. Unless you see their tongue hanging out of their throat, they're not dead. <laughs> yeah, see, this, this is why I'm in this show. Or their, blood, or their blood sitting in an ice pack, they're not dead. Yeah, it's like, it's a bizarre show because, um, well, Celeste will forget about this. But yeah. somebody somebody will get shot in the head in, in the next season, and they survive. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Or they'll get their throat cut, and they'll still live, so. <laughs> yeah, it's like, um, never believe anything until you see a body. Mm. Until you see them on the slab, don't believe it. Yeah, unless you see them uh, artfully see them like... arranged in a, in a mosaic, <laughs> then you don't see them as a corpse. <laughs> yeah. Okay, right. no. Right. Okay, so we come to the end of the show. So, where can everybody reach you on social media, Celeste? You can find me on Tumblr and Instagram at Satuma, S A T U M W A H. Okay. And JJ? <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter, Tumblr, and. Uh, what? Yeah, Twitter, Tumblr, and Snapchat as JJ Neeps. Uh, and you can find me on Instagram as JJ Neepin Films. And you can find me as Honey, Ch- Honey underscore Child on uh, Tumblr and Twitter. Ceramic Nanu on Instagram. For some reason, people have been finding me on Instagram because I keep uh, getting follow requests and they're all people who have like Hannibal fan art and stuff in their things. Um, we've also been getting some live from the tum- uh, the Tumblr fandom. So oh, that's where you're supposed that. to do a shout out. Well, who are you? Okay, get your <laughs> shout out ready. Because it's been pretty fun because we got mentioned in the in the fan newsletter again, which we really loved. Yeah, um, yeah. Thank and, you. And Head Full of Hannibal keeps continuing to mention us, and I'm really happy about that. And what else? Um, I'm trying to promote this in our city, too, <laughs> for some reason, even though I'm like, oh, yeah, Sonia reads um, uh, Mr. Robot Elliot fan fiction. Did you know that? So it's like... Sex robot, sex robot. <laughs> so I'm just like, yeah, please don't uh, don't see me on the street and yell that in my face. That would be sad. <laughs> okay, so it was the uh, user on Tumblr, uh, Winnowing Wind, she says, if you have a moment, send a hashtag thank our Nakama tweets out to certain people. And she did a post. Um, there's certain people you're supposed to tag, and you're basically just thanking creators and other uh, supporters of the show for just thank you for supporting the show. Because if you show that the fandom is here and active, they're, they're going to keep trying to do a season four. Yeah, or a movie. Yeah, like, like don't beg them to you know make the show. Just say thank you. The hashtag is th- hashtag thank our Nakama. So let's do that. <laughs> yeah, because I would love to see a season four, just so I could be proven right. <laughs> I got my fingers crossed. I'm praying. I'm, I'm praying to God. I'm praying to Thor. I'm praying to Loki. I'm praying to, praying to Odin. Everybody who's listening. I'm praying to the Creator that <laughs> some magical way I will get to work on Hannibal season four. Yeah. Either as a director, a writer, or even as a fucking PA. Well, um, I just want to be on that show so bad. Celeste's brother-in-law was like, "How come you didn't have Dan, uh, Don Mancini on the show? He wrote two episodes of Hannibal. Don Mancini was in town filming uh, the recent Chucky movie, and I'm mm. like, why didn't we? Damn it! Well, I don't, we could have 
gotten him because he was busy. Well, stuff. that's the thing, yeah. Like, you'd have to, we would have already known that he was coming and then book it. Like, yeah. Seriously, and we probably would have had to pay him. And with what dough, boss? Yeah, it's like, damn it. <laughs> like, could you do it for free? We're, fun. We're friends. Also, can you hook me up with Brad Dourif? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, never mind. I posted on, on Facebook that I had a bunch of good news, which was mostly uh, industry good news. And I happened to post a, a GIF of Nathan Fallon. Is that Nathan name? Fillion. Nathan yeah. Fillion? Sorry. Nathan Fillion, and uh, people thought because he's in town shooting something, they thought I had something to do with him. Uh, I said, no, 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 the, the gift's just a coincidence. <laughs> They're like, are you sure? I go, I'm pretty darn sure. Believe me, I wouldn't be able to keep that quiet for very long. And of course, I sent a message to JJ almost immediately saying, is it is it podcast related and does it involve Mass Mythical Center? Yeah. She's like, no. No, it's like, believe me, dude, if I was even close, y'all would know. <laughs> Y'all would know. Well, okay, we're not to keep talking about bass. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go okay, so let's wrap it up. All right, so we're wrapping it up. So please follow us on Hannibal's Horny and Bocce on Instagram. Uh, I'm thinking about setting up a Tumblr pretty soon because I want to put a non-spoilery, pl- uh, well, a spoilery place where we won't mess with Celeste's um, viewers. Yeah, I won't yeah. follow that then. <laughs> uh, and please email us at Hannibal's Horny and Bocce at Gmail and uh, like us and subscribe on iTunes. So we'll see you guys next week. See you next week. Bye.